Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. And today we have Nichelle Nelson, CEO of Warp and Weft History. She was an Air Force brat and an Air Force wife, and now she's an Air Force mom. She and her husband spent 12 years living overseas in Europe and Asia. She and her husband successfully homeschooled three of their children from birth to Baylor University and beyond. Nichelle holds a double A in history from Austin Community College, where she is a member of the Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society. She was a member of the Golden Key Honor Society and graduated summa cum laude with a BA in history from Houston Tillotson University, an HBCU in the heart of Austin. She holds her MS in education in multicultural studies with an emphasis in social justice from the University of Houston Clear Lake. She brings to her virtual classroom her unique perspective on the lives of other cultures. She has a passion for teaching critical thinking and research skills through the study of history and utilizing project-based learning and educational technology. In this episode, we talk about how people often believe that homeschooling has to take place in isolation. We also talk about how it's never too late to start over and reinvent yourself. And lastly, Keeping family stories alive and passing them down to the next generation is not only a gift, but a miracle. Go grab your coffee, go grab your tea and a pen and paper because you're not going to want to miss what Nichelle has to say. Let's get into the podcast. I will be holding a lesson planning masterclass on October 15th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. The first 100 people will get it for $25 along with two one-week science lessons after the masterclass. Register below and I will see you on October 15th. Today, we have guest speaker Nichelle Nelson of Warp and Weft History. Say hello to our listeners and tell us one misconception you believe most have about homeschooling. Hello, I am delighted to be here today. The misconception that I would say that most people have about homeschooling is that homeschooled children are sheltered and that they like never leave the house, that they wear their pajamas all day. And that could not be further from the truth. In my own experience as a homeschool mom, particularly middle school to high school age, we were always gone. We were always in the car because I was trying to help my children find out what they were passionate about. So we did sports, we did academic competitions, we did science, we were always gone. So that whole idea that homeschoolers are sheltered couldn't be farther from the truth. Such a myth, such a myth. Let's just bust them all right now because it's crazy. And Another, you know, misconception, I think also that you with your life kind of breaks is that moms who homeschool, you know, do nothing after like, oh my gosh, 
their life is over. But that isn't your story, Nichelle. You're like reinventing yourself all over again, exactly. whole brand new life. Can you tell us some about that? So when our youngest daughter was preparing to take her dual enrollment classes at the local community college, the lady who was doing the orientation started talking about adults who have all these college credits that didn't finish. And that was definitely me. I'd started college uh, before we got married. I was in nursing school, but I put that aside when I, so homeschool our children with no college degree. And as I always say, homeschooled them from birth to Baylor and shout out to my husband because we were definitely a team. I handled the academics. He handles the life skills uh, and cooking. He cooks better than I do. So I went back to school when my youngest daughter started community college. I got my associate's degree in history from the community college and actually was a much better student second time around. I actually was an honors student, wow. honors graduate. Uh, then I transferred to Houston Tillotson University, which is Austin's own historically black college and university because I wanted to learn history from an African-American perspective. I graduated summa cum laude, top of my class. Uh, and then uh, during the pandemic, I uh, continued to go to school online and earned my bachelor's degree in science. Uh, well, bachelor, wait a minute, sorry. Master of Science in Education in Multicultural Studies with an emphasis on social justice. I'm, I'm waiting to see how they put all of that on the diploma. Um, Who are you? <laughs> right, right. I also, I, I started taking Taekwondo classes. All of our children are uh, black belts. The older one is a first degree. The, uh, our son and our youngest are both third degrees. And so like I was missing my old life. I was a Girl Scout leader. And so when my daughter left for college, like my whole life around Girl Scouts left, like no more campouts, no more, you know, meeting the girls at the mall, no more going to the movies with, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, I have been doing a few years of reinvention, whole empty nest thing hit me really hard, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely reinventing myself. Good for you. You know, what a testimony and what an example of a lifelong learner you are to your children and you know what how do they feel about mom just reinventing herself it's it's almost as if our roles have reversed they always say that i'm cute so they think everything i do is cute i wear a cap and gown i'm cute i wear i put on a taekwondo uniform i'm cute mommy is so cute um, so yeah, it's, it's almost like the, the roles have reversed. Uh, my elder daughter, she will even say things like, oh, it's hard to raise your, your parents. You know, that's sort of no, she did not. Yeah, she oh my gosh. That's what she said. She's sassy. Oh, yeah, she how cute. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, you know, I want to get into your curriculum, Warp and Weft. How did you come up with this curriculum? Like you went back to school for, for history and everything. Was that part of your journey in creating this curriculum? Yes, uh, to a certain extent. I have always been, I got turned on by genealogy, I think in the ninth grade. Wow. Uh, and, then, and then my mom, like it sparked her interest in it. And so it was something that we did together. And so there were things that we learned but we were limited, 
you know, way back before Google and the internet and things like that. So I used to always talk. Now, I actually was born with two living great great grandmothers, possibly even three. No three, way. Yeah. Three great grandmothers and two grandmothers. And they all lived in the same city. So I, they lived in Wichita, Kansas. So like the one great, great grandmother that I was very close to did not pass away. I was 13 when she passed away. She was always in her right mind. She was always, I mean, she just one day was here and one day was gone. She was How like, old was she when she passed she away? 96. Oh my goodness. I mean, Six. you are probably one of the most fortunate people to have the opportunity to meet Absolutely. Absolutely. Five generations ahead of me. She is the one that I is one of the ones that I credit for passing down my Christian beliefs, my Christian faith, because I mean, she was like serious prayer warrior. Wow. Uh, and my, my grandmother was another one. And then my other great, great grandmother that unfortunately I didn't get to know too much. I'm learning more about her now. Yeah. Then I did that. So she passed away at the age of 108. And I was pregnant with my firstborn. Had she lived like three months later, she would have been a great, great, great grandmother. So I have learned that she and my great, great grandfather were publishers of a Negro press newspaper. Amazing. And when they were in Mississippi at the end of World War I, my grandfather printed a story that praised the bravery of african-american troops in world war one the clan did not like that and so they told him basically you got 24 hours to get out of town and he the way my uncle tells it he packed up his printing press and my grandmother and hightailed it to kansas and so in wichita kansas he founded he and my great-great-grandmother founded the wichita chapter of the naacp Wow, but they kept that information, right? What do you mean? What the, the troops and everything, they kept all that? There are copies of their newspaper was called the Negro Star. And I do know from one of my daughters, uh, my daughter was very into history as a teenager. That was her passion. So she competed in the National History Day competition. Wow. And so we, in in some of our research, we learned that, there are some universities around that do have copies of the Negro Star. I haven't seen them yet. So, oh yeah. my gosh, this yeah. is fascinating. Oh yes. my God, I didn't even know that in our first conversation. This is amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so, um, so the National History Day competition was what got my older daughter started. She did the performance category. She did a 10 minute one woman show of my husband's grandmother who was actually involved in NAACP test case before Brown versus the Board of Education. It was one of the cases that was cited by Thurgood Marshall. So like we're learning all of this history. So yeah, when it got to the time came for me to decide who I was going to be after I was homeschool mom, history was right there at the top. I needed to immerse myself in history. So during the pandemic, when everything had to move online, my daughters and I came up with the idea with Warp and Weft History so that we could offer uh, history classes online to teenagers. That is fascinating. I am so like wowed right now because you have legitimately a beautiful wealth of information to pass on. I often think about, you know, 
the legacy I'm going to leave, you know, my children, my grandchildren, my great, great grandchildren, are they going to know my name? Are they going to know that grandma did something now that benefits them then, then you know, yes. for so many years? And, you know, your family did that. They gave you this wealth of like history and this love and desire and, and your Christian beliefs that are, that are so founded. I mean, my goodness, I mean, think about those prayers that went back yeah. for you. They were praying for you yeah. way back then. Way back, way back. I am definitely oh. a witness that I know that I'm still living on their prayers. I am yes. absolutely still living on their prayers because I, I was spoiled. I was I was the first granddaughter, first great-granddaughter, first great-great-granddaughter. My mother was is firstborn. So, yeah, we were spoiled. We really oh. were. Uh, we were doted on and oh. we were prayed for. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Wow. That just really, I'm very overwhelmed right now because these are things that I've always, like in my heart, I think about often. And another great aspect about you is you're an Air Force. Do you say Air Force brat? But That's an Air Force brat, yeah, Air Force and wife, and Air Force mom. Wow. Yes. We, wow. we eat and sleep and breathe blue. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I love it because I mean, these are things that are so dear to my heart, like our country, just making sure that we we're able to protect it and keep our freedom. And, you know, it's an honor. So thank you for your sacrifice, for your family service. Thank you so much for all those that have done what they did so that we can be free and live. Honestly, I know we live in a bubble that people don't even realize there are oh, so many absolutely. things that happen. That we don't see i know that i know that i have family members who are also in the military and they often tell me like if you knew yeah if, if you knew you'd be you know they can't tell you but i'm like right. man so i just think i'm very very thankful and appreciative wow oh keep talking to me nichelle keep talking to me <laughs> so well that definitely colors my approach to teaching history i learned to appreciate so many you know i left america as a 20 year old, my husband and I got married when I was 20. I did not come back to America to live until I was 32. So like I left when Ronald Reagan was president. I didn't come back until like the second Bush presidency. So, and <laughs> I'm laughing because like the day before I got on the plane, my grandmother called me and there was such a fear of, and you know, I understand this is someone who lived through like World War II, there was such a fear of foreigners that she called me up crying. Don't make friends with those foreigners. Uh, and I laugh about it now because I definitely made friends with those foreigners. Um, <laughs> I did. We have friendships everywhere, everywhere. Like we were just at Disney World a couple of weeks ago and my husband saw somebody with a Ghana shirt on and he's like effusive like because we have had such wonderful encounters with people from Ghana. We have friends in the Czech Republic. My husband actually went to visit a friend in the Czech Republic in 2019. And it was the first time that he had been back overseas since we came back to the States. We used to minister at an orphanage in, we're talking like early 1990s. He actually sent pictures of these children, like they have gray hair now, like this one teenager, she was 18. Then she's like in her early forties. So she's got this beautiful white streak. Wow. Um, and wow. you know, the, so the connections that we made, 
like they became family to us and in every country we lived for three years in uh, the Azores which is off the coast of Portugal it we lived for four years in Germany and from Germany we we loved Germany because we could travel everywhere we went to Holland we went to France we went to Austria we went to Belgium we went everywhere uh, and then we lived for five years in Okinawa and that that was just a beautiful beautiful time so so different I mean you know at least in Europe we could relate to you know some things are similar you know the word water in German is Wasser you know you're going to pick up on stuff moving to Japan whoo that was definitely a cultural eye-opening experience and I saw so many Americans come overseas and never really appreciate where they were all they did was come I didn't even know what Walmart was I was telling a friend this at lunch today I didn't know what Walmart was what is this Walmart that everyone keeps complaining oh I wish I had Walmart I didn't know what it was because I was overseas like when Walmart became big I learned to enjoy the culture where I was I bought baby food on the economy I bought like I think it was Heinz, I want to say Heinz, jars of baby food, but German baby food. Like I wanted our children to experience a different palate. You know, I definitely took advantage. I wish I knew more history, but I definitely took advantage of the cultural exchange of living overseas. So I bring all of that to the classroom. I bring, I make them excited. I want them to say, you know what? When this is done, I'm getting a plane. <laughs> and I'm going to where Mrs. Nelson was talking about. I want them to be excited about living outside of the bubble. Yes, living outside of the bubble. And I resonate with what you said, because when I was here in the United States and I grew up in Puerto Rico, we came over from Puerto Rico and we lived here. I started school here and, you know, I wasn't as fortunate to be homeschooled the whole time. Like I was homeschooled from birth to, to kindergarten. And then I was in the public school the rest of the time. And I have to admit, like the public school made me hate the United States. Like, I'll be honest, I graduated high school and I literally hated the United States. I hated, I mean, I was barely walking with the Lord. You know, I questioned everything. I mean, I was probably one of those people who just, oh, you're not cool. You know, I was that kid that I just, you know, I wouldn't hang out with certain people. I was just a terrible person, right? I was really, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're brainwashed. You're almost like, you know, this is, oh yeah, humans are awful people. They do these terrible things to the world. They're, you know, this is happening in this country and this is terrible. And, you know, when I got older, I started started meeting people from all these different countries. I'm like, you know, that seems really interesting because I learned that, but you're telling me something completely different and you grew up in that country. And I was like, well, what are we seeing here? And as I got older, I was like, you know what? I want to go to Spain because my family is actually originally from Spain. So I, I want to go to Spain. I want to see everything from the beginning. So I went to Spain and I remember I was there was there for a summer I was studying I really enjoyed it I thought Europe was amazing but I'll tell you Nichelle I came home and I became I was like thank you Lord for our country like I legitimately was like whoa I love all the friendships that I made I loved all that but for the first time I actually was like I'm proud to be an American like I was legitimately proud to be American and I understood what it meant to be an American at that moment that it was a melt I understood what the melting pot meant it was a beautiful thing and I started learning how to you know 
enjoy people's culture. I learned to celebrate the cultures. I learned to celebrate the differences. I learned to see that differences were amazing. I didn't need to be in, you know, back in Spain where all of us looked at, I mean, I really look like everybody. <laughs> it was just like, oh my, the clothes fit right. I was like, this is awesome. But, you know, when I came back to the United States, I was like, oh my goodness. And I grew in all of my understanding. And like, you know, my husband and I went to Bible college people from all over the world came in. Like now we have friends from the UK, we have friends in Barbados, we have friends, you know, in, in Ghana. It's so funny you say Love Ghana. That. Yeah. Cause one of our friends, he's a missionary over there and he had left cause he, he was engaged to a, a Ghanaian and he was really in love with her. And she broke, she broke his heart. <laughs> yeah, she totally broke his heart. And so he was like, I'm going to go to Ghana and I'm going to show her, you know. So he went to Ghana, built a school. But what happened was he fell in love with the kids. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. left Ghana, came back and told us like, hey, I, I, I think I'm going back. And we're like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, when, we, when are you going back? He's like, I don't know. Then he told us six months later, it's like, I'm leaving. I'm going back. And we're like, so when are you coming back? He's like. I don't know. He's been there 13 years, yeah. never came yeah. back and he's still there, you know, yeah. and he's, you know, our pastor in Okinawa was the same way. He, he, they were there. He just recently passed away, but they, oh. they were there for like, his wife is still there. Uh, and his, the next generation, 40 years. That's amazing. So all of this inspired you to create warp and weft. Okay. So for those of us who are not that savvy with vocabulary (laughs) (laughs) you just break it down warp and weft (laughs) yes yes Uh, you know what I didn't realize um, when I was trying to come up with a name that it was going to be so challenging because my children also they tease me about it so it has to do with my genealogy my love of genealogy I somehow or another on Facebook a few years ago I, I feel like every family has a genealogist so I connected with a distant relative genealogist. She's like, hey, we have the same great great grandfather, only your descent line of descendants was from his wife and mine was from his girlfriend. But well, we have still have the same great great grandmother. But she is such a an avid genealogist. Well, one of the things that she found or helped me to find was a narrative. So my family were Cherokee freedmen. They were, before the Civil War, they were the Cherokees owned enslaved people as well. So my family descends from this line. Well, you know, when you've got some teenagers in the house, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, as they say in Crash Course, some scootily pooping went on. And so now I am descended from a woman who is called a beloved woman of the Cherokees. There are only two women in history that are beloved women of the Cherokees. Well, one of them was a woman named Nanyahi. And there was a battle between some colonists and the Cherokees. And the Cherokees were known as other Native American tribes were to take war prisoners. So they took this woman and Nanyahi, Vince, the woman, she said, we'll let you go, but you need to teach us white man's ways of farming and animal husbandry and weaving and these sorts of skills, because if our people will learn these sorts of skills, because one of the big things about the American colonists is that they looked at Native American life and said, well, you're not doing it right. They were farming. 
but they weren't farming European ways. So to them, it looked like they were farming and, and other things. So this woman taught them how to care for sheep and goats and cows and as well as how to weave. Well, when the Trail of Tears occurred, one of my ancestors, my great, great, great aunt Eliza Whitmire was owned by the Whitmire family. And they brought their looms with them. Well, they brought their scholar, I don't know how big, you know, how big it was, but they brought their weaving culture to Oklahoma along the Trail of Tears. So that idea and the way that I teach history, I bring all kinds of stuff. And today, this morning, I taught World History One. And so we're starting out talking about early civilization moving from hunter-gatherers into farming and into villages, into cities and kings, that sort of thing. So we were talking about like that kind of progression. We brought in some art history. We bring in some archaeology. We bring in anthropology. That's how I teach history. I'm weaving a story from different threads, from different disciplines of history, the history of science, the history of culinary history. What did they eat? How did they cook their food? Did they live in a nuclear family or did they live in an extended family? How can we find that out? You know, these are the types of things that I bring into my classroom. So that's warp and weft. Powerful. I love it. That's amazing. You know, I feel like a lot of, you know, teachers try to do that, but it doesn't come through. It's impossible sometimes. But one thing I've noticed about the homeschool community and the developers is that you guys are ridiculously creative. Like, I'm not kidding. You guys are so creative and you're so dedicated. You want to know the truth. You guys dig deep. You don't just take the surface things. You just don't rummage through like Google. Okay, it looks like, looks like a good article. It looks like a good article, boom. No, you guys take your time and you, you dig deep and you actually get the truth out. And I love that because, you know, I think so much right now, so much of our history is being rewritten. And I love the fact that you're literally taking from your family. Yeah, yeah. No one can argue that. Exactly. What can you say? How how can you say, well, you can talk about this part of history, but you can't talk about this part of history. Well, I mean, and history is history is neither good nor bad. History is history. And it is the people telling the story that you've got to filter out. And so we talk about that. We talk about analyzing sources and and finding out, well, what is this person's background? So their background may give you a clue to what their perspective is. We also talk about what I I think her name was lady named Bell. She talked about, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's like your stock stories. That's what it is. Stock stories. These are the things that we all have come through the American public school system that we've learned. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Mm. But then behind the stock stories are concealed stories. And so with that, we find out, well, how did the Native Americans feel about the Europeans? We don't usually hear from their perspective. Their voices are silent. And so we go about trying to find out how we can hear from their perspective. Then we talk about resistance stories. How did they, you know, history is full, is usually told from the people, from the perspective of the people who did the action. We never really hear about the people on whom that action was placed. 
And so trying to find out some of these resistance stories, when we talk about the Middle Passage, how did the enslaved Africans on the ship, what kinds of things did they do to resist? Because we get this idea that they just passively got on the boat. Right. So yeah, we try to bring out those stories so that we can, so that we can dig deeper. Uh, If you've ever heard you know, in the homeschool community, we have like all of these little different sayings. How does a homeschooler change a light bulb? You know, you got to look, you got to Google that because like, it's a whole long thing. Like you got to go to the library and get a library book. And then you have to research the history of ladders. And no. then you got, you, you got to find out like who invented the library. You know, you got to do all of this just to change because it is, we love, we love to go deep. We love to go deep. I love that. That's hysterical. Oh my gosh. And I love the fact that you love going deep. I remember one day I was, I was substituting in for history class and I was like super psyched. I was like, yeah. And they were learning about Martin Luther, the 94 thesis, 91, 94, one of those. 91 thesis. 91 thesis. And I had literally just finished doing a whole study on him on my own. Cause I was a, I was a Spanish teacher at the time and I was studying a bunch of it. I mean, like it must've been like weeks that I was learning about him and find out that he, you know, translated the Bible into German and all these different things and what, and how he felt about, you know, what the church was doing to people, all these different, I mean, it's all these different things. And it was really a powerful story and how people, even his own followers kind of misconceived things and started becoming a little bit more radical than, you know what I mean? And he was like, no, this isn't it. So, but in my class, they were learning about that. And I was like, yes, I can teach this because I, I'm like literally just finished. I just came off of uh, that. And um, I'm re- I said, okay, let's read, the, let's read the textbook. So we're reading the textbook. And Nichelle, I was like, this isn't what happened, guys. This actually isn't true. They're leaving out like chunks of information. Like yeah. you have you have chunks of, I mean, you have years of stuff that is going to bring what you're learning into context because this is taken out of context. And I remember I said, close your books and they all closed. And I was able to actually give them the truth and a salvation message right there because they literally took it out. They kept out the whole salvation message. They kept out the whole part that he was for Jesus Christ. Like he was an advocate of the Lord. He just didn't like, they were being lied to and being told different things, but he was completely about the Bible and about, not about religion, but about learning who your savior was. And they kept taking that part out. They said he was against religion. So they, you know, the kids were learning something different. And I actually was like, I really challenge you guys to go. Actually, there's a movie out. I would watch it if I were you guys. Learn more about him. He has, you know, there's books you can read about that. Don't take this. And I think that's what happens in the public school. Everything is just surface scratched. And they give you kind of like this, you know, I guess a Cliff Notes version of everything. And they leave out. Yeah, and they leave out so much stuff where that's what's the beauty about homeschool. You guys have the opportunity to, you know, go one inch wide, but you go 10 feet deep in that and you learn. And then the kids learn to learn. They learn to learn because they're now knowing how to research. Yes. One of the things that I enjoy teaching methods, I guess I use teaching history is teaching chronologically rather than teaching culturally. So in an American public school textbook, often it's like China is like separate over here and Japan is over here and maybe Mesopotamia is over here. I am a cross-cultural historian. 
which is why I got my, my graduate degree in multicultural studies. I love to know how one culture interacted with another. So through homeschooling, I learned the value of teaching history chronologically. Homeschoolers that I knew were really, really big on that. And so that's the method. I, so I don't just have one world history class. I have four, ancient history, medieval history, Renaissance history, and then from 1200 to the present. And so my students come back. I love to see my students come back. Um, my students come back year after year because it's almost like a soap opera. So what happens next? You know, so I, I just getting to see, you know, some of my students I haven't seen over the summer, um, like they're ready, they're, they're ready to get. And so it's this new class that I taught today that I've got to like, put that fire in them. I've got to get them excited for what happens next. So that's been a big difference for me from the way I learned history in school and the way that I teach it. So Nichelle, tell us, where can they find your resources? Where can they connect with you? What's the call to action here? Where can they register their kids for your courses? Oh, please do. I love, I absolutely love getting new students. So we are, my website is www.warp, W-A-R-P, and weft, W-E-F as in Frank, T, history.com, warpandwefthistory.com. We're also on Facebook. I think on Facebook, if you put in that little ad sign and the words weaving history, you will find Warp and Weft History. And as well as that we are on Instagram and it's at warp underscore and underscore weft underscore history. I couldn't be really creative with it. Um, <laughs> so we are also on Instagram. So yes, please connect with me, please. So as a mom of former home homeschooled students, I recognize that when they hit their teenage years, they wanted to be more social. They wanted to have a group that mom wasn't involved in, that mom was not over. I mean, homeschooling does develop, it definitely helped us to develop a very close-knit family, but that doesn't mean that my children don't want to do things apart from me. And so they were looking when they were in their teenage years for trusted adults and other teens to, to bond with. For my children, it was a science class. We had a co-op a lady who was teaching co-op science classes. That's where, I mean, literally lifelong homeschool friendships were birthed in her homeschool science classes. And, you know, I want my students to be able to interact. If they can't go overseas, like right now, at least interact. I've got students from Pennsylvania interacting with students in Texas. I've got students in the Carolinas interacting. Last year, we had a student from South Africa. Just being able to connect and realizing that even living in the same country doesn't mean your culture is the same. And so learning about different cultures. I often give the example of the fact that my husband is from New Jersey and I'm from Colorado. And so when we got married, we had to decide what dishes stay on the Thanksgiving menu, what dishes get thrown out. And since he does the majority of cooking. Amazing. <laughs> I'm from Jersey too. Like I was born was in Brooklyn. I moved to Jersey, met my husband in New Jersey. He's from Pennsylvania. So we're East Coasters ourselves. Yeah. That is so cool. 
So, Nichelle, as we're wrapping up, what is one big takeaway you want parents to get from this conversation we had today? Is that you don't have to go the usual route. You can you can get off the train. Your kids aren't going to be messed up if they don't go. Okay, so our family, our children called them the four walls. You know, those are the students that go in the four walls because their education took place outside of the four walls. You don't have to go down that route. There are other ways. There are ways, if you are dealing with students who have social anxiety, if you're dealing with students who have to slow down for the rest of the class, if you're dealing with students who are just not interested in uh, the standard menu, the four walls. Yeah, of the four walls. You can do this. I am a witness. I homeschooled my children for 25 years. They are all successful young adults. They are one works is a, a manager for office manager for a U.S. congressman. Another one is an officer in the United States Air Force. Another one has man, has been a museum curator and a manager of nonprofits. And they were homeschooled from birth to Baylor, you know? So there's another way. You don't have to go down the same. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for today. Thank you for sharing literally your history with us, testimony, I mean, experience, and just all, you know, everything that you, you bring to the table when it comes down to teaching history. I'm going to put all her information in our show notes. You'll be able to have all her links and everything that will lead you to registering your kids in her class will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Nichelle. It's been a pleasure just getting to know you. Great. Great. I enjoyed my time here and, and let's do it again sometime. Let's do it again. Okay. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.